Hi, my name is Juma Khan and you're listening to Guy Who Reads, a book podcast. I'm sorry I didn't post any new episodes recently. My phone stopped working and the phone doctor said that it couldn't be fixed. So I'm without a phone right now, which does change a few things for this podcast. For one, there will be no more new episodes in the bonus series Juma and friends go back to Hogwarts, at least not for a time being. Once I get a new phone, maybe I'll pick it up from where we left it, but... For now, I'm sorry. I know many of you like listening to it. But the regular old episodes, like this one, uh, will drop as scheduled. So tune in every Wednesday to listen to me talk. I, I feel like I can't say Wednesday. 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 Sorry. So tune in every Wednesday. See, I messed it up again. So tune in every Wednesday. Is that how it's said? Wetness. I have no clue. You know, let's just go with it. So tune in every Wednesday to listen to me talk about a book that I had just read. So since I don't have a phone right now, my days are a long stretch of boredom. I did most of my reading and work from my phone. Not to mention it was my main source of entertainment. Once it stopped working, I didn't know what to do with my time. I wanted to read, but I had already read most of the books on my shelf. Except for one, Hard Times by Charles Dickens. And, but I wasn't feeling Dickens. Um, I had to read something. So I browsed through my shelf once more, hoping to find a book I wanted to read again. Uh, which wasn't that hard because within five minutes of searching, I found one. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It was a book that I first read two years ago and absolutely loved it. I gave it five stars. And after reading it again recently... I have no intention of changing my previous rating. There were many things that initially attracted me to this book. The first was its unique and curious name. I've never seen a title that long and so pleasing to hear. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. (laughs) When I first read the title, I tried to analyze what it could be about just by its name. Something to do with a book club whose member ate pie made with potato peel. As to why someone would do that, I was still confused. After reading the description, I found out Lindsay Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is a book about this author from London called Juliet Ashton. She travels to Guernsey, a channel island, to write a book about the German occupation during the World War II after she receives a letter from a resident of the said island and a member of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It's such a long name. (sighs) The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is a literary society which was created as an alibi to protect its member from breaking curfew during the German occupation. Aren't you just a tad bit curious now? I was, but not just a tad bit, a lot. I didn't know much about the Channel Islands. I just knew that they were a set of islands closer to France and England. So I was curious to learn more about them. And I already did, just by reading their description. Like, I didn't know the Germans occupied the Channel Islands. I, just, I, was, I was under the impression that the Germans never occupied any part of the British Empire. 
So that was something I learned just by reading the description of the book. The fact that it is a historical fiction and romance just added to my excitement of reading it because anyone who knows me knows that those are my favorite genre of books along with horror. The other thing that made me want to pick up this book as fast as possible was that it was an epistolary novel. I had never read an epistolary novel before. To anyone who doesn't know what an epistolary novel is, it's basically a book written in a series of documents such as letters or diary entries. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is written entirely in letters, letters from one character to another. I wanted to see how the authors, and I say authors plural uh, because it's written by two people, I wanted to see how they would make the romance work in this format. And when I first read the book, I wasn't disappointed. They kept the romance aspect of the book very minimal, but also managed to make it very important. I thought the authors did a fantastic job at it. Speaking of the authors, this book was written by Mary Ann Schaeffer and her niece, Annie Barrows. Let's talk about Mary first. Mary Ann Schaeffer was born on December 13, 1934 in West Virginia, United States. West Virginia, holy mama, take me home, country roads. <laughs> this, this is why you listen to this podcast, not because of uh, the books, but to me, goofing around. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in 1958, uh, Mary Ann Schaeffer moved to California with her husband, Carl Richard Schaeffer, Looking at her list of jobs, you know that this woman loved books. She worked in a bookshop, she was a librarian, and she worked at Harper & Row, a publishing house. She started there as a receptionist and then moved up to being an editor. The Gunsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society was her only book. It was born because the other members of Marianne's book club wanted her to write a book. She was an amazing storyteller, but she never wrote a book before. She came close, but she never ended up completing them. So when she finally caved in to the other book club members' request, uh, she remembered her trip to Guernsey in the year 1980. In the year 1980, Mary Ann Schaeffer went to London to research for a book she wanted to write at the time. After not being satisfied with the documents she was looking for, she booked a flight to Guernsey for no apparent reason. Once her plane landed in Guernsey, a heavy fog ascended from the sea. For safety reasons, no ferry or flight left the island. The last taxi rattled off before she could board it. She was stranded in the island's airport. And with nothing to do, she turned her attention to the collection of available books. She picked up a copy of Jersey Under the Jackboot by... Wow, I'm afraid to say his name. Uh, okay, I have two variations of it. I don't know which one is right. Uh, you decide. I'm just going to say both. The first one is Reginald Charles Fulk Morgan. The other is Reginald Charles Fook Morgan. 
If it is the second one, I am sorry, Mr. Reginald. I'm sorry about all the bullies. OK, anyway, uh, Jersey Under the Jackboot. He wrote that book. Uh, Jersey Under the Jackboot is a book about uh, that gives you. It's a, it's a book that gives you the first-hand account of the occupation and the atrocities of the Nazi party in Jersey, the largest Channel Island. A few hours later, when the fog lifted, Mary left the island of Guernsey without even seeing what could be considered a sight. But she left with a fascination and obsession, not obsession, obsession is a wrong word, but in intense fascination with the Channel Islands. Years later, when she was writing her very first novel, she remembered about Guernsey and the German occupation during the war, and she crafted a charming and witty story surrounding it. Publishers were lining up wanting to publish this book before she even finished it, but then her health began to fail. When the editor asked for some rewriting, Marianne said that she couldn't do it, so she asked the help of her niece, Annie Barrows. Annie Barrows, born in 1962, is an author and editor. Before she co-wrote with her aunt, she wrote a children's book, the first of a series called Ivy and Bean, a book about two girls who are very different from each other and yet became very close friends. Just like her aunt, she also worked in a library in the town of San Anselmo, where she grew up. She also worked as an editor and then began her career in writing. When Mary Ann asked her help in rewriting the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, she said yes, though she feared that it would be difficult to write in the same tone and voice as her aunt. When she actually began writing, she was surprised to find it very easy. She grew up listening to Mary Ann's stories, so writing in her voice came as second nature. When I first read the book, I was astonished by the fact that it was written by two authors. Not once did I detect a change in style. It's told in the same tone, same manner. Anyone who goes into it trying to figure out which author wrote which part, they would find it to be extremely difficult, if not impossible. On 16 February in the year 2008, at the age of 74, Mary Ann Schaeffer died of cancer. Her first novel was published in the same year, posthumously. It was met with huge success. Let's take a little break here and when we return I will tell you the story of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Needless to say that this part of the podcast will contain spoilers so if you don't want me to ruin this book for you you should stop listening to it right now. The year is 1946. World War II just ended. Things in England were once again going back to how they used to be. Juliet Ashton, an author from London, wants to write a book. A serious book. During the war, she wrote comedic columns under the pen name of Izzy Bickerstaff, where she made fun of certain stuff related to the war. The need of humor was high amongst the people of England at the time, so naturally these columns did well. 
This comedic columns were so popular that Juliet's best friend's brother, who is also her publisher and friend, made a book out of it called Izzy Bickerstaff Goes to War. When she was asked by Sydney, her publisher and friend, to write another book about Izzy Bickerstaff and her life after the war, she declined. She wanted to write something else, a book, but about what she didn't know yet. One day, she receives a letter from a man named Dozzy Adams. He's a farmer from the Channel Island of Guernsey. He wrote to her because he had a book that once belonged to her, Selected Essays of Ilya by Charles Lamb, and it had her name and address written inside the front cover. After the Germans left Guernsey, there were no bookstores left. He was writing to her because he wanted to buy more of Lamb's work, and he wondered if she could help him by giving him the address of a bookstore in London from where he could order those works through the post. He also wanted to know if anyone had written Charles Lamb's biography because he wanted to learn more about this writer who helped him keep entertained and company during the German occupation. He felt a kinship to Charles Lamb because in the selected essays of Ilya, Lamb wrote about a roast pig and the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, of whom he was a founding member, came into being because of a roast pig that they had to hide from the Germans. Curious to learn more about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society and the incident with the roast pig, Juliet wrote to Dozzy immediately, answering all his queries and connecting with him through Charles Lamb. During the German occupation in Guernsey, the Germans maintained a close watch on what the residents of the island were growing and keeping. They ordered them to grow potatoes and turnips, and they took away all their pigs to feed their soldiers. Some of the residents tried to hide their pigs, but the agriculture officer always got wind of it and took them away. If you can imagine just eating turnips and potatoes for six months, you can imagine the misery the people of Guernsey might have been in. One day, Dozzy receives a note from his neighbor, Mrs. Amelia Mogary. The note said, come quickly and bring your butcher knife. He tried not to get his hopes up, but when he entered her house, there it was, a pig, a hidden pig. And she invited him to join in on the feast with her friends. Now, Dozzy is a quiet and shy man. The invite to Mrs. Mogary's dinner party was the first invite he had ever received. And so thinking about the roast pig, he said, yes. The feast was amazing, but the company was even better. They ate till their hearts full content, laughed and talked. When they decided to take their leave, it was an hour past curfew. And breaking curfew in Guernsey at the time was a crime that could take you to prison camp. Not to mention hiding a pig was even worse. So they all went on their way, trying to be quiet and quick. But John Booker, one of the attendees of the feast, who drank more than he ate, was a little more than tipsy. And he broke into a song. Immediately, German soldiers surrounding, surrounded them, aiming their rifles at this group of individuals of different ages, wanting to know what they were doing out. 
So Elizabeth McKenna, brave as she could be, stepped up to the German officers and said that they were members of the Guernsey Literary Society and were attending a meeting and that none of them had realized how late it had been. They were very sorry that they had broken curfew and assured him that it wouldn't happen again. The charm of Elizabeth McKenna washed off on the German officer and they told him to go on their way. So in order to continue this ruse and protect their lie, Elizabeth McKenna created the Guernsey Literary Society. She brought tons of books from the bookstore in Guernsey, which was later closed because people and the German soldiers were getting the books to burn rather than read. She brought those books to Amelia Mogherini's house and thus started the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. The potato peel pie came into the mix later. In their meetings, they needed to have refreshments, but since only potatoes and turnips were grown on the island, one of the members one day brought potato peel pie which was later incorporated into the name of the society. With such an amazing story, Juliet Ashton only got more drawn to life in Guernsey and this fascinating literary society. So she kept her correspondence to Dorsey. They talked about the war, the occupation, Charles Lamb, and the society's funny and interesting stories. When Juliet was given an opportunity to write an article on the Times, she decided to write about Guernsey and the Literary Society. Soon, the members of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society started writing to her. Among them were letters from Amelia Mogherini, Ayola Priby, Evan Ramsey, John Booker, and many others. Communicating with the islanders, Juliet read their stories, like how Evan's grandson Eli was sent to England with many children of the island before the German occupation began, and how John Booker, a valet, pretended to be his master who left Guernsey before the occupation and how he drank all of his master's liquor, and how Dozie made soap with pig's fat and cinnamon and distributed it, <laughs> distribute, distributed it to many residents of Guernsey because soap wasn't available during the occupation. She also learned about Elizabeth McKenna, how she fell in love with the German soldiers stationed at Guernsey, and how she got pregnant, and how Dozie and Eben had delivered her baby. She also learned how Elizabeth McKenna was sent to a prison camp after she aided and hid a taught slave worker. How even now, months after Germany surrendered, they still had no idea of her whereabouts. Her daughter Kit was raised by the society members. Juliet admired Elizabeth McKenna for her bravery, her loyalty to the island of Guernsey, and for her helpfulness. Meanwhile, in Juliet's personal life, she had a suitor, a publisher from America named Markham Reynolds. At the age of a little over 30, Juliet didn't have much hope of finding love. So when Mark came into the scene and started taking her out on dinners and parties, she was a bit overwhelmed. Mark was handsome, successful, and charming. People loved him, except for Sidney, who thought that Mark was trying to steal his best writer. After only knowing Juliet for two months, Mark proposed. Juliet asked for more time, which Mark didn't really understand. He thought that it was a perfect match.
So they argued and made up and he tried to persuade her to say yes, but she didn't. Juliet liked Mark, but despite him being rich and handsome and successful, Mark was controlling and he didn't want Juliet to do anything. He only wanted her to wanted to take her out to parties and dinners. Juliet went through a hasty engagement once before and ended it before she made the mistake of marrying. She didn't want to go through that same mistake again. Among all of this, her desire to write a book didn't diminish, but now she had a topic. She wanted to write a book about the German occupation in Guernsey, but she couldn't do that from London. Thinking it best for the book and to distance herself from Mark for a little bit, she booked a ferry ticket to Guernsey. Mark tried to persuade her to stay, to say yes to his proposal, but she was determined to go and wait a little longer before answering him. She was picked up from St. Peter Port by some of the founding members of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Dozie Adams was among them. She was to stay at Elizabeth's cottage. Iola Priby, the most eccentric character in this whole book, cleaned and fixed the cottage before her arrival. She probably, she prob she probably was Juliet's best friend in Guernsey. Kit, Elizabeth McKenna's daughter, was testing Juliet ever since she set foot on the island. She glared at her. Glared, glared, she glared at her. She glared at her and didn't speak to her. She was a proud little kid, but Juliet, following Kit's rules, still managed to win her over. They became very close during her stay there, but Kit's favorite was Dawsey. During her stay in Guernsey, Juliet started attending the society's meetings. She conducted interviews with various islanders, listening to their stories of the occupation. Her research was immense, but she was having trouble writing the book. She couldn't find a base for the book, couldn't form out an outline. When she asked Sidney's help, he reviewed the research she had done so far and pointed her in the right direction. He told her that she is looking at this wrong. In almost every interview she had conducted so far, Elizabeth's names pops up at least once. She was the life of the island and her story is incredible. From coming to Guernsey from London and spending parts of her childhood here, Elizabeth McKenna was friends with almost everyone on the island. She was a sweet and caring girl who helped whoever was in need. She was the best friend of Jane. Eben's daughter, who died during the bombing of Guernsey, right before the occupation started. She helped John Booker fool the Germans. She helped the children of Guernsey calm down before they were sent to England. She created the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. She fell in love with a caring German soldier who saw and was hurt by the atrocities of the Nazi party, who later died after the ship boarding him was bombed in the sea. She was a single mother. She helped a taught slave worker hit and nursed him back to help. And for that, she went to a prison camp. And her absence had left a mark in Guernsey. The book Juliet came to write in Guernsey 
wasn't supposed to be about the occupation, at least not entirely. It was supposed to be the story of Elizabeth McKenna. Life on Guernsey was calming for Juliet. It was something she needed after the war and something she could never get in London. Amidst this calmness came the news that lowered the morale of every islander in Guernsey, including Juliet. The Literary Society had received a letter from a French girl named Remy. She was Elizabeth's friend in the prison camp. She was now at a hospital recovering from a disease. She was writing to inform them that Elizabeth McKenna died in the prison camp just days before Germany surrendered. A Nazi officer was beating a helpless prisoner with her baton and witnessing this atrocity made Elizabeth's blood boil. She got into a scuffle with the officer and managed to snatch her baton and then used it to beat the officer. The next day, Elizabeth McKenna was executed. Remy had trouble sleeping in the prison camp. Elizabeth was her only friend there. She managed to calm her down by telling her about Guernsey and how beautiful it is. She told her stories of the society and their hilarious and fun meetings. She told her that once the war was over, they could go to Guernsey together and live happily. During her time in that hopeless place, Elizabeth managed to bring Remy comfort and peace. The news of Elizabeth's death was hard for all the society members. They all loved Elizabeth. Dozzy and Amelia, grieved as they were, also worried about Remy. They wanted to visit her in France and possibly bring her to Guernsey, since she didn't have a family, any family alive or home to go back to. They wanted to bring her to Guernsey since it was the place that calmed her and because Elizabeth promised her that they would come here together once the war was over. Everyone agreed that it might do her some good. The night before they left, Dozzy visited Juliet in her cottage. He wanted to borrow a suitcase. Juliet wrote a letter to Sophie, her best friend and Sydney's sister, about the events of this night. Juliet confessed to her that ever since she first set foot in Guernsey and Dozzy was there with his arms outstretched to hold and bring her down from the ferry, she felt a jolt of excitement. She tried to calm this feeling down because Dozzy was a quiet and composed person and she had no idea if he felt the same way. She managed to suppress this feeling down until that night. After Juliet gave him her suitcase, they started walking to his cart. The night was beautiful and quiet. As they were walking, Juliet started taking notice of his hands, his wrists. And then suddenly, Dozzy stopped. He turned and looked at her. His face was under the shadow, so she couldn't see what his expression was. But the atmosphere between them was one of passion. But just then, before Dozzy could say anything, Markham Reynolds stepped out of a carriage in front of Juliet's house and called out to her, and the moment between her and Dozzy was gone. As Juliet went to greet him, Markham held her and kissed her. When Juliet turned to look at Dozzy, he was taking his cart and heading home. Before all of this happened, Dozzy was a quiet person. Even though his presence is always registered by everyone who is in the room, but after that night, 
he wasn't able to communicate with Juliet. He seemed distant. The next day, Dozzy and Amelia went to France to meet Remy. In Guernsey, Mark came to Juliet's cottage and was greeted by her and Kit. Mark was nice to Kit in the beginning, but when he figured that Kit wasn't leaving the room and was just there between them, he looked annoyed, and Juliet knew that he wanted Kit to be gone. When Kit went to play outside, he started telling Juliet how the islanders were throwing their responsibilities at her, how they were making her do things that they had no time of doing, like raising Kit. That's when Juliet broke it off with Mark and sent him on his way. Ever since she learned about Elizabeth's death, she had a desire to adopt Kit. She talked with Amelia about it and she gave Juliet her blessing. So when Mark talked about Kit that way, she knew that she would never marry this man and didn't want to see him again. Dozzy returned from France with Remy, who was very fragile and still learning to get back to normal life as well as get her health back. Dozzy started spending more time with Remy and Juliet, as good-natured as she was, thought that maybe Dozzy loved Remy. Life on Guernsey did, did help Remy a lot, but there would still be moments where something would trigger her and she would start crying. Dozzy wanted to help Remy. He wanted Guernsey to be her home like she dreamt of it with Elizabeth in prison camp. But he realized that life for Remy, a survivor, would only be better if she spent her time with other survivors. The sharing of their miserable past might help salvage their new future. Remy also wanted this. So on a dinner party thrown by Eben Ramsey, Remy announced that she would be moving into an apartment in France with other survivors. Juliet, who was on the edge of her seat for this announcement, thought that it was going to be an announcement of Dozzy and Remy's engagement. So when she heard Remy speak about her new home in France, she let out a sigh of relief. Juliet loved Dozzy. She still didn't know if he loved her, but she took comfort in knowing that he didn't love another. Ayola Privy noticed all of this. Dozzy's sadness and loneliness, Juliet's comfort after the announcement. Even though she noticed all of it, she got a completely different and wrong picture. She thought that Dozzy loved Remy and the news of her leaving made him sad. So she wanted to help Dozzy. She wanted to find proof of Dozzy's love for Remy, and after she finds it, she's going to show it to Remy, and maybe she won't live then, and marry Dozzy instead, and then he wouldn't be so lonely and sad. The next day, Ayola went to Dozzy's house in the pretense of cleaning it, but her real motive was to find any evidence suggesting that he loved Remy, but she didn't find anything, so, dejected, she went to Juliet's house to tell her of her sorrow. She tells Juliet of her suspicion that Dozzy loves Remy, but now he would always be lonely because she didn't manage to find any evidence to show Remy. She told Juliet that there were a lot of pictures of Juliet and kids in Dozzy's home and some of Juliet's alone, but none of Remy. She thought that she would find a handkerchief with an R imprint that belonged to Remy and was kept by Dozzy, but she didn't find any. However, she did find one of Juliet's handkerchief with a J imprint on it, which Dozzy kept in the treasure box that Eli made for him. 
She thought that she would find a poem that he wrote for Emmy, but instead she found Juliet's earliest work, a biography of Anne Bronte. Listening to this, Juliet got what she needed from Dozzy, a little knowledge about, the, his, about his feelings for her. Even though Iola didn't notice her error, Juliet did. So she went to meet Dozzy and once they were alone together, Juliet said, Would you like to marry me? I'm in love with you, so I thought I'd ask. And to this, Dozzy replied, My God, yes. And soon they were married and lived together with Kit on the island of Guernsey. The end. I would like to mention that I didn't add certain stuff from the book in this episode. Like, there was one very funny and interesting incident with Oscar Wilde that I think a fan of literature would enjoy. But for the sake of length of this episode, I didn't add it. So I urge everyone listening to this episode to read this book because there are a lot many stories like that which I left out. Um, and this is a really charming and funny story. A really, not funny, charming and witty story. And I loved it. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. So I want you all to read it too. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you aren't already following us, please do. It helps us a lot. Follow us also on Instagram at Kai Who Reads Podcast for more updates. If you have any bookish friends or anyone who might be interested, share this podcast with them. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week where I will talk about the series Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Don't forget to tune in.